Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Monday Morning Deep Dish. My name is Shepard Price. Uh, you're on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Um, I'm here for the mailbag edition of Monday Morning Deep Dish. Uh, we'll be talking about your questions that you've sent in uh, on our Twitter account at 2ND City Hockey. Uh, of course, where you can follow along during game days and send questions and we'll answer them uh, clearly. Uh, I've got some a few questions here today, um, so we're going to do some deep diving on those questions. Uh, the first one is retired numbers and who will be retired next and who's been deserving and sort of just where this sort of organization stands as uh, we head into the next stage past the sort of cup glow era, uh, those great six years we had, um, those are sort of over now. It's been six years, five years since 2015. Uh, it'll be five cups since that one. So we're sort of moving into a new era. Uh, that sort of brings me to who will be the next retired jersey. It's Duncan Keith, I think, at the very latest it's the, whenever Duncan Keith retires I believe it is my belief that uh the immediate next season uh if he retires May 2022 uh October 2023 uh not not October 2023 October 2022 you'll see Duncan Keith's number in the rafters um I think he's a face of the franchise when they build the inevitable statue for this era because you don't win three cups in the uh salary cap era and not get a statue um, when they build the, that statue, it'll be Duncan Keith, it'll probably be Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And I, I don't know if there'll be multiple statues around the building or if it'll just be one. I believe it'll just be one. Probably saves on money um, and honors them all together because they're the big three sort of from this era. They should be honored all together. Uh, but Duncan Keith, because he's the oldest of those three, will be the first one to be retired. Uh, and so he'll be the first one to have his number retired. Uh, I think Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, because they've done basically everything else in their careers together, will probably retire at the same time. They are basically the Blackhawks version of the Sedin twins, although they play together a lot less. Um, they will be, it is my belief, they will retire together. Uh, so their numbers will probably go up in the same year, although uh, it is my belief that they will be retired on separate nights so as to give them sort of uh, their own honors. Maybe back-to-back nights, that'd be nice. But, uh, so a, a history of the, ret- of the retired numbers in the Blackhawks organization, they're an original six organization, so they have sort of a different standard. I know Chris Pronger's getting his number retired in St. Louis. I don't believe the Blackhawks would ever retire uh, somebody who sort of went through as many teams as Chris Pronger did, which is probably the, the nail in the coffin for Marion Hosa, is that Marion is a clear Hall of Famer, um... But he's not sort of any organization's signature player. He doesn't belong to one organization. He belongs to the to the Senators. He belongs to the Thrashers. He belongs to the Blackhawks. He belongs to to a v- very much less extent uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit. But uh, he's if he's any team's sort of if he, if if this was the Baseball Hall of Fame and you only got to go in wearing one organization's hat. I think it might be the Blackhawks, but it's also an equal chance of being Ottawa because that's where he started and that's where he had some of his best years in terms of productivity offensively. Um, I don't know if they retire a, a guy, even though he's the best free agent signing in the history of Chicago sports. Uh, that's not, that's, that's, I think it's, I think that's an undisputed claim that he should be able to make. 
I don't think he'll ever sort of be that foundational organizational guy. Um, mainly because I don't know what his organizational role will be going forward. Uh, he could he could be a European scout. He could be uh, something over the, overseas, but he's not. I don't as much as I want him to coach. I don't believe Marion Host will ever coach the Blackhawks. Um, I think he will sort of stay in Slovakia. I think that's where he's happiest. So he's not he's not Keith Magnuson. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, which is sort of the criteria besides Keith Magnuson for being a Blackhawks retired number. But uh, I don't think he is that sort of organizational foundational stone. Uh, the other, there's just, there's sort of six other debates that you can have about who should have their numbers retired. Ed Belfour, Jeremy Rennick, Steve Larmer, Chris Chelios, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford. I don't think I, any of those have their numbers retired, and I'll go through uh, real fast why I believe that. Ed Belfour, too many teams. Um, Jeremy Roenick, the Blackhawks have had better American players um, since then, and he's not a Hall of Famer. I don't think he'll ever be in the Hall of Fame. Steve Larmer uh, is a clear-cut Hall of Fame case, in my opinion. He, it's, it's, he's, he's one of the biggest snubs basically every year. But again, if he doesn't make the Hall of Fame ever, I don't know why you would retire his number. Chris Chelios, uh, the way he left the organization, the way he's sort of treated the organization pre this year, wearing a Detroit Red Wings sweater to a, a organizational photo photo shoot to a, um, an alumni photo photo shoot, it it makes it clear that he doesn't he didn't want to be a part of this organization until he moved back this year, and now he's a community ambassador. Um, it. He, I think there's still too much strain on his uh, on his number, and also it being worn by another sort of foundational player in the Stanley Cup era in Brett Seabrook. Um, unless they're going to do the Keith Magnuson Pierre Pilat thing, where they retire it for both players, I don't see why you would retire seven uh, for either of them, but then not retire it for the other. Then uh, I don't think you retire it for Brent Seabrook. Um, I think there's a lot of different sort of standards at play here. Um, I don't think Brett Seaver's a Hall of Famer. I, I know for sure Chris Chelios is, but I don't think... Again, you can't retire for one and not the other. Uh, Corey Crawford, as much as I believe he is, as much as I believe he was the best goaltender in the NHL for five years from 2013 to 2018 uh, until Evgeny Malkin hit him in the head, uh, I don't believe he is a Hall of Famer. And that sort of cements his legacy as not uh, getting his number retired. And then finally, uh, Marion Hosa, again, just doesn't have the sort of organizational role past his playing days to have that number in there. But again, for sure, getting retired, Duncan Keith, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, those three are for sure going in the rafters as soon as they retire. Um but going through the history of it, you can see Glenn Hall, number one, retired, uh, Hall of Famer, five-time all-star, five-time first-time all-star, three-time two, uh, second-team all-star, three Vesnas, obvious Hall of Famer. Pierre Pilat, three Norrises, five-time first-time first-team all-star, uh, captain of the Blackhawks, Hall of Famer, obvious retired number. Uh, Bobby Hole, number nine, three Art Rosses, two Hearts, ten times uh, first-team all-star, Hall of Famer. Denny Savard. Uh, two-time All-Star, three, three times 100-point player, 100 Hall of Famer. Stan Kita, 
four times Art Ross, two times Hart, uh, six times first team All Star, Hall of Famer. Esposito, three times Vesna, Hall of Famer. Again, it's just Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And then the only guy who's not a Hall of Famer on that list, Keith Magnuson, uh, player and coach for the organization, captain, founded the Blackhawks Alumni Association. He's the organizational guy for this for this organization. He's sort of the backbone of the Blackhawks organization as an organization. Uh, it makes sense for him to be, as the company man he was, to have that number retired for him. Um, he's the, like, the only exception to that rule. Uh, that's why, again, I don't think Jeremy Rennick um, will ever get his number retired is because he's not that foundational organizational guy, that sort of backbone. Um, and I, it, I, again, that's why it works against Chris Chelios. Even though as, as good as he was, as Chicago-born as he is, he's not the foundational backbone of the Blackhawks organization. Uh, so that's sort of the history of the retired numbers. Um, let's talk about Robin Leonard now, because uh, that's some that's that's a question a few of you had is is what what do we do about let Robin Leonard? What does it say going forward if we resign him? Uh, do we want to send him to Carolina? Because if they're sending a player to Carolina, it's that's Leonard. They're they're sending Corey Crawford elsewhere. If they're sending Corey Crawford anywhere, uh, I, it is my belief that Corey Crawford, uh, as I said a few times, I'm using on Madison. He's the guy that you should go with after this year. Um, Robin Leonard will be more expensive. Corey Crawford's been there. Corey Crawford's done that. Corey Crawford is a Blackhawk through and through. He's been a Blackhawk his entire career. Um, Robin Leonard is a guy the Blackhawks sort of stumbled into and had instant success with, but who isn't a Blackhawk through and through. Um, he's been really good. He's been good in the team, but he's getting used to being good on teams. Um, Corey Crawford is a Blackhawk, has always been a Blackhawk, uh, his whole career. Uh, so the the debate is, is do you resign Leonard or do you send him away? As Dave has said multiple times on using musings on medicine, you gotta like you gotta consider the, the return you could get for Robin Leonard. Uh the at least a first round pick, if not a lot more. First round pick and a good prospect, a top, like a top tier prospect. You can get a lot for from there's a lot of teams out there with some cap space but who, who need desperately a goaltender. Um, and I think you could, you could conceivably get a lot for Robin Leonard. Uh, $5 million for one year, that's exactly the kind of deal uh, teams contending and looking for goaltending are looking for. Um, and you can even retain some of that and get even more back. Um, I would be looking at Edmonton. I'd be looking at Calgary. I'd be looking at multiple teams who need goaltenders. There's a lot of ways to find a trade for Robin Leonard. Um, whether that's taking cap space back or, again, retaining, do whatever you need to. Uh, you got to... It, it, it's beginning to look a lot like the Blackhawks are not going to be a contender this year. The loss to the Winnipeg Jets, we're record, I'm recording the night of the night after we saw that collapse, that five goals allowed after our two-goal lead early in the game. You, uh, it's beginning to look like the Blackhawks aren't going anywhere you got to start considering trading Leonard, uh, again, because Corey Crawford seems to be the, in my, in my opinion, the safety valve before somebody like Kevin Lankinen or Colin Delia becomes your number one goaltender. Uh, and it seems like one of those guys could be. And until that time, until they've developed and gotten a, four, a few more years in the NHL, Corey Crawford seems to be the perfect guy to sort of take their spot and then retire a Blackhawk. 
Um, and that's sort of what I want out of him is for, for him is to be a Blackhawk until he retires. Cause that does help. Uh, going back to the retired numbers case, there should probably be a circ- a ring of honor. Uh, there's, they've got room for it um, in the building. And that's where you can put guys like Ed Belfour and Jeremy Roenick and Steve Larmer and Chris Chelios and Marion Hosa and Brent Seabrook and Corey Crawford uh, in that ring of honor. That, that can be your sort of first group. Um, if none of them are getting their numbers retired, you still want to honor them. They're still like fantastic players who have played for your organization. Um, and you have higher standards for who you believe to be retired numbers uh, that only Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane have met in the last 30 years. Um, then you look at, well, let's have a separate space for them. Uh, and I think that's where Corey Crawford should go. But Robin Leonard, it makes sense. It honestly makes sense either way. If you want to re-sign Robin Leonard... Eight million again should be the upper limit of where that term is, of where that AAV is. Term six years, he's a young goaltender. He's 28, 29. You can take him till he's 34, 35. Why not? Uh, that's a good goaltender, and that's a good goaltender age. Goaltenders can last that long now um, with all the training they do. Um, you're not seeing it in Sergei Bobrovsky, but that's because <laughs> Sergei Bobrovsky is just having a down year, in my opinion. He'll be back next year. He's going to be worth the 10.5 at some point in that contract. It's depending on, it, it just depends on how long he's worth that. Uh, it's not long. Um, but yeah, we've talked about this a few times on, a, on various podcasts uh, before. Is It makes sense to do a lot of things with Robin Leonard. Um, it's just a matter of what do you want to do with him? And my my honest answer is uh, send him to Carolina, send him to Edmonton, send him a few places that need a goaltender. Get that return back. Again, the Blackhawks, they they should have been waiting a week after the bye week to see what they were up to. They're not up to any any good. Uh, I know the last, I know two of the, lo- the last two losses before this game against Winnipeg were both overtime losses, but they were both losses. That's three losses in a row. They're on a losing streak. They're officially on a losing streak. If if you take away the loser point, like a lot of like a lot of people do want to do, uh, you'll see that the Blackhawks are losing. They're very clearly losing on a very bad losing streak. Um, in an age, in an era, in a time when they're where they need to be winning. They needed to win this game against Winnipeg. They desperately needed to win this game. Um, they needed to win at least one of the last two games. They haven't done it. And it's beginning to look like their play, like I said in, in the stock report uh, this week, it looks like uns- it looks unsustainable. It looks like they were riding hot goaltending. And as soon as that goaltending let them down, uh, like Corey Crawford did in the third period, unfortunately today, you, you lost the game because the offense wasn't doing anything. The offense wasn't getting anything going. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Is uh, what what sort of aspect of the game you blame that on. Um, before we get there, though, somebody asked about Ian Mitchell, how he's doing, what his candidacy for the Hobie Baker looks like. It, he's not a top 10 candidate, in my opinion. He's a great hockey player. He's, a, he's done to be a fantastic Blackhawk. Um, he might even be the Blackhawks' number one defenseman, uh, depending on if, if Adam Boquist ever fixes the defensive aspect of his game. Um, we haven't seen it this, this season yet, but he'll... It's, if you it depends on who you believe that he'll be working on it going forward, um, he's got to develop it. 
I, again, I don't think Duncan Keith is the player to play him with if he wants if you want to develop that defensive aspect of the game. I think you play it with Connor Murphy. Uh, Connor Murphy, who's basically the Blackhawks' best security blanket, who makes up for a lot, which is why you're playing with him with playing him with Eric Gustafson. Because you've realized, oh, Connor Murphy can do a lot of good things defensively, and he moves the puck well. He's basically insurance policy for whatever defenseman we put him with. Put him with a better guy, and Adam Boquist, and you'll see that Connor Murphy does a lot of good things and a lot of things right. Um, but Ian Mitchell might be the number one defenseman going forward for the Blackhawks. But he's not even the top scorer on his team. He's not the, he's not the top scorer among defensemen this season. He's not even in the top five for scoring among defensemen. He's got six goals and 16 assists in 22 games and uh, and 22 points in 28 games, which is about a better pace than he had last year when he had uh, 27 points in 39 games. Uh, he's got, so he's five points short of where he was last season. He's got the same number of goals. Uh, he's five points short in 11, in 11 fewer games. It's very, it's very likely he gets there. He's having fewer assists because this is, uh, in my opinion, it's a, it's a worse Denver team than they, than they were last year. Um, but he's he's a great captain. He's doing all the right things defensively. He plays a good two way game. Um, he's the guy you you wanted him to be. I think when you dra- when the Blackhawks drafted him early in the second in the second uh, round, he's exactly the guy you expect. Uh, I do think he'll get some games here um, in the, in Chicago, depending on how Denver does in the Fresno Four tournament in in, in March and April. Uh, I think you'll see him at some point this season, and I think he'll be ready for next year, which, again, does not help the Blackhawks' crowded, already crowded logjam at, at defense because uh, you've got a lot of guys already um, ready to play NHL defense, especially with Ole Mata coming back to being Ole Mata, the guy who played for Pittsburgh, the guy the Blackhawks traded for in, re- in recent games. He, he and Slater Cuckoo continue to be maybe the Blackhawks' best offensive pairing. Um. That's that's just been an excellent third pairing. But, man, Ian Mitchell, is he's special, but he's not a he's not he's not been with the Hobie Baker this year, um, and that's not anything wrong with him. I just it, I personally don't see anybody beating Jack Dugan from Providence for that award, um, because Dugan's been so good for Providence. He's been the backbone of that team, um, and he is exceptional this season. Um, so I, it's it's not it's not about Ian Mitchell not winning that award. It's about the guys who he's playing with, um, and sort of the forwards you see. And also, the the last defensive the, the last defenseman who was a finalist for the Hobie Baker, uh, Jimmy Schultz is playing in the AHL. It's not clear if he'll ever be an NHL defenseman. He doesn't skate well. Uh, that award is not the be all end all, uh, for a defenseman. Um, there's plenty of great NHL defensemen who went through college who did not win that award. And I think Ian Mitchell is just one of those guys. Um, finally, uh, after tonight's game, there's one thing we really have to discuss, um, and that's the power play. Because boy, that boy, howdy, that power play is not—it's not acceptable. It's not—it's not acceptable um, from the from this team. It's never been acceptable that they've had as bad of a power play as they've traditionally had. They've always had a bad power play. Look and looking at the forwards they have, that shouldn't be the case. Jonathan Taves should be should be on be good on the power play. Patrick Kane is good on the power play. Alex Rinkat is a good goal scorer on the power play. He had a really bad night tonight. Um, and again, I I tweeted it out uh, from our account tonight. 
Jeremy Colleton earlier in the season had a hit, had a habit of healthy scratching players after a bad performance. Um, he did that with Dominic Kubalik, and then Dominic Kubalik came alive. Um, you you really need you really need Alex DeBrincat if you're gonna make a playoff push, even after these three games. You need Alex DeBrincat to be Alex DeBrincat again. He has not been Alex DeBrincat this season. He has not been the guy they paid six million dollars to at the beginning of this season. Um, he has not come alive this season. A healthy scratch might do him some good because he does not do anything if he's not scoring goals. Uh, you look at guys like Brandon Saad, who will finish with more goals this season than he does, than he will. You look at guys like Dominic Kubalik, they do a lot more uh, besides scoring goals. Dominic Kubalik is, I'm, I've taken to, uh, in conversations with friends, calling him the demigod reincarnate because his, his play reminds me a lot of Hosa's. Um, he's sort of that two-way force that I will get anything I want to done that plays alongside Jonathan Taves and helps elevate Jonathan Taves' game again. Uh, that's Dominic Kubalik. Um, more than it's Brandon Zod, even. Zod plays a very similar game to Hosa, too. He's very strong on the puck. Dominic Kubalik is fantastic. Um, and you don't see that from Alex Dabrinkat. I think a healthy scratching could be good for him. His his mistake was what led to that uh, first goal against, or that first or second goal against. You gotta, you gotta see more out of him. Um, especially now playing with Dylan Strom again. Uh, those two are supposed to be best friends. They're supposed to build each other up. They're not doing it. I know it might be their center. Um, you might want to see Ryan Carpenter there instead of David Kampf uh, because that line worked well. But still, man, Alex Brinkett needs to be better. Um, but the backcast power play as a whole needs to be better, needs to do a lot better. Um, since January 24th, when I wrote about an article for the website, uh, secondcityhockey.com, about the power play uh, and how bad that was, how they were sort of structured to shoot high danger chances and nothing else. And they were the worst, they were one of the worst teams in the league in high danger shooting percentage. Uh, maybe the worst. They are doing the exact same thing. They're 27th in uh, Corsi share. They're 24th in Corsi 4 uh, per 60, 24th in shots 4 per 60, 27th in shot share. Uh, they have a 50% gold share since January 24th, 50%. Uh, they've scored as many goals as they've allowed. <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't, I, I believe y'all know enough about the power play to know that that's not acceptable. Um, they have uh, 16th in expected goals 4 per 60, uh, 25th in share. 16th in high danger chances per 60, 25th in share. Again, they're just shooting high danger chances. They're getting quality chances, but again, they're not succeeding on those. They're 24th in the league in, in high danger shooting percentage since January 24th with a 12.5% success rate. That's not good enough for that to be the only area where you're shooting from. Um, they're 30th overall across the whole season with 13.25% from, uh, from high danger. That's not acceptable. You've got to start. They have to start looking elsewhere. They have to start moving the puck back. They have to start getting better screens that don't touch the puck, that just screen. Um, you've got to have a better net front presence. Uh, Kirby Doc's big. He should be able to do that. Dylan Strom's big. He should be He should be a better screener. Drake Kajula is good on the rebounds, but that's, again, high danger chances. But it's better high danger chances than they're getting right now. They're just, it's not, it's not working. The power play is not working, and that let them down tonight. Uh, they did not get enough on the power play. 
they got a lot of chances, and so they're uh, them playing undisciplined hockey too also let them down. Don't get me wrong, they played too much on the penalty kill. They played nine nine minutes and twelve and around twelve seconds on the on the penalty kill tonight, and that's not good. Um, and they allowed one goal, but man, that power play. You look at it, and it's just atrocious. It's not acceptable. It's not an acceptable aspect of their game. Something needs to be done. And they've had the same coach the whole season. Thomas Patel has been in charge of the power play the entire season. It's not worked, ever. Uh, in theory, it should. High-danger chances should result in goals, because that's why they're called high-danger. Um, but they're not for the Blackhawks. Whether that's a uh, lack of high-danger quality uh shooters guys who can't guys who can't score from high danger areas you don't necessarily think of alex Rinkhat or patrick kane scoring from those areas you think of them scoring from outside areas because they're better shooters than they are sort of just forcing it in guys or whether that's the lack of screening the lack of a sort of foundational player there whether that's the lack of andrew shaw who is a good ish screener whether that's Brandon Saad not playing there, whether that's Kirby Dock not being a good, as good of a screen as he should be, whether that's Dylan Strom missing games. That power play, if, they can, if that continues to let them down, then that it will be the death of them this season. Uh, they can't continue to be one of the worst power plays in the league and push for that playoff spot that they so desperately want. Um, whether that means bringing in a new power play specialist I don't know where you'd find one. I don't know who's a power play specialist on the open market they could look for. Whether that means uh, getting Adam Boquist back because he was better on the power play than Eric Gustafson is. Eric Gustafson cannot play on this power play anymore. Um, Whether that's taking Duncan Keith off because Brent Seabrook was better this season on the power play than he was. Something's got to be done about that man advantage because until it is, they're not going to succeed. That's the simple truth. Uh, without that ability to, to move, to uh, build off of momentum and to score when they have a ripe, a ripe chance, which is what the power play is supposed to be. You're supposed to have a, a ripe chance to score. With the Blackhawks not having that, uh, they're not scoring. Uh, their offense is just not as good as it was last season. Their defense has improved, but that's not good enough, clearly. Um and their goaltending has improved. Everything in the back end is a, has improved, and it's just the offense is not there this season. And that's sort of the death of them. Um, so until that improves, the Blackhawks are sort of stuck here. And stuck here is outside the bubble, but not bad enough to tank. Not bad enough to get someone who can change the power play, like Quentin Byfield or Alexis Lafreniere. Uh, not good enough to get maybe even Lucas, Ray- Lucas Raymond... Tim Stutzel, uh, any of those guys who can actually make an active difference. Um, certainly not good enough to get the, the, the one guy they should want outside of all, all four of those forwards and Jamie Drysdale, who's going to go third or fourth as the best defenseman in this draft. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's about all I have to say about the power play is that it just needs to improve. you got to see more. you got to see more shooters shooting. You got to see Dominique Kubli get some actual opportunities on the power play. Uh, until that day, uh, this has been the mailbag edition of Monday Morning Deep Dish. Uh, my name is Shepard Price. 
Uh, you can follow me at, at Shepard Price, S-H-E-P-A-R-D, Price, at, uh, on Twitter. Um, I'm Jehosa's Witness on the website, and we'll see you uh, on Wednesday and Friday. We have uh, multiple episodes coming out this, uh, this week on the podcast network, and we're excited for those. So we'll see you around. Uh, have, a, have a nice week, and turn it around, Blackhawks.